0: Journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adil Kazilski Mondays at 1pm for the Trip of a Lifetime. Good afternoon and uh, I'm sure most people, certainly the female population is tripping towards a uh, Pesach. I know my head's in my Pesach kitchen with a lot of things to do but it's always a pleasure to take off some time and join you for the next 45 minutes while we actually finish up the Parsha of our It's It's turned out really really nicely that uh, we can conclude an entire Parsha another whole uh, story in uh, the book of Genesis we're going to be looking at chapter 40 and uh, we're going to carry on following up how Yosef um, is faring in Egypt as you know um, we left off where he is in the dungeon Mrs. Potiphar is being quite obnoxious about it and now we are going to see how God is actually preparing the redemption a very very powerful lesson which I will expound on as we go along please be my guest join me it's chapter 40 of Genesis we're going to be doing starting on verse 1 Um, That's if you're at home, at leisure, in this cold, cold weather. If not, just listen up, but of course, always join the conversation on 34519 or our telegram number on 061-895-1019. So without further ado, let's get stuck into chapter 40. And it was after these things. The Egyptian king, that means Paro's wine steward, and the baker offended. They sinned against their master, the king of Egypt. Now, um, by the way, this Achara, Hadvarim Ha'ele, after these things, we're speaking about a period of 12 months. Yosef was in jail in the dungeon um, of the chief butcher, who was Potiphar. He was sitting in that dungeon, and it, he had spent twelve months there, being um, coerced and and being driven insane by Mrs. Potiphar. And the 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 midrash tells us that God wanted to divert. The conversation between um, all the Egyptians, because all they could talk about was this scandal with Mrs. Potiphar and Yosef, and it just went on and on and on. Nobody, Nobody spoke of anything but that scandal. And so Hashem provided a new scandal to satisfy all the wagging tongues of Egypt, allowing them to forget Yosef, to forget Joseph. And the scandal concerned none less than the royal palace. It involved the King's uh, wine steward, he uh, he was in charge of all the beverages for the King, and the baker, who was prepared for who was who was in charge of preparing the bread for the King. Now, there's a few um, opinions as to how the scandal came about. Some say that the two of them, the butler and the baker, conspired to poison to poisoning the King. And they each had placed a fatal dose in his wine and in his bread. And the reason why the king didn't swallow it was because inevitably he found a fly. King Paro found a fly in his wine and a stone, a pebble, in his bread. Another opinion holds that they were actually innocent of any evil intent, that God just wanted to divert uh, the attention of Yosef and just God, had arranged a fly and a stone uh, to rock up in his drink and food, and that just made Paro very angry at his servants, and that gave Yosef the beginning of the opening to his palace. So what happened? Let's look in verse 2. Paro was incensed with his two courtiers, the chief wine steward, and the chief baker. Now, as always, the reason why I read out the Hebrew verses is because it's important to see the language of the Torah. You know, in English, you do not pick up the nuance. And so it's vitally important that uh, you look at these things in the Hebrew. And one of the things that you will see if you're following in um, is that their names change in verse two. When Paro gets Mad at them, angry at them, they're called Sarha Mashkim, the chief wine steward, the Sarha ofim and the chief baker. Whereas in verse 1, they're just called Mashke, Melech Mitzrayim, the steward of the king of Egypt, the Ha'oife, and the baker. So, why suddenly in verse 2 are they called the chief baker and the chief steward, while in verse 1, it's only the baker and the, the, the butler? And we are told that this could indicate that we are speaking actually of two different sets of people. The second set, the chiefs, are speaking about the people who are in charge of the entire operation, while the first was speaking about two of the people underneath them. Now, um, the, the the two chiefs would only serve Pyro personally um, twice a year. The rest of the year, the assistants would take turns serving bread and wine to the king. But at the end of the day, Paro looked at them and made them responsible. Okay, and they, he basically went and said, "You're in charge of, you know, what it is that you um, that you need to be looking at, whether it is the wine, whether it is the 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 bread, and the very fact that uh, a pebble came into the bread." means mr baker chief baker you were not looking at quality control and you allowed rubbish to come into my food um and similarly with the wine steward so they he took offense at them and it was them that got the punishment others say that it was them themselves um but this was just showing their um you know their status and nevertheless whatever the story was they he was incensed with them, incensed with them. Verse three sar al mekom asher Yosef Asul Sham. So he placed them under arrest, he threw them into the, the, the house of the chief butcher in the dungeon where Yosef was imprisoned. So these two guys rock up in the same prison that Yosef's found. And the chief butcher appointed Yosef to be with them. He had to look after them and they remained under arrest for a period of time. We're told here that this period of time too was 12 months. Now, what we're going to go and see again, and this is like the brilliance of just watching how, how Torah works, is that um, God, God is always planning. Okay, We think that we're in control. We're not. And God always puts everybody in the places that they need to be um, for specific purposes. So what happens now is that the chief butler, the butler and the baker, both have dreams. You can follow up, follow on, on verse 5. Um, um, uh, so so two of them had a dream, each one had his own dream, both of them on the same night, and each got the uh, pitron, the um, solution to the dream, the interpretation to the dream, um, of the other, so, this obviously we're talking about the the wine steward, the butler, and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were imprisoned in the dungeon. So each had a dream that could be interpreted as revealing their future, but they basically had also the interpretation of each other's dream, which is pretty pretty cool. Pretty important. But what we are going to go and see is that, in fact, we um, we will we, we will see how Yosef goes and sees what is happening. Hi, FM, your station of choice since 2008. Right. Welcome back. And we're uh, looking at Verse number six now of chapter forty. Let's see how this thing unfolds. Yosef comes to them in the morning, and he sees Behinam He sees them and they are very, very upset. And so he asks um uh, Pharaoh's servants who were with him in the prison, in his master's house, lay more saying, Why are you guys upset? Okay, why do you look so bad today? They respond to him and say, We both have dreamt a dream, and we don't have an interpreter for it. Doesn't God hold all interpretations? Why don't you tell me about it? So very interestingly, they say we had a dream and there's no interpreter for it. Why? Because they actually had sent a message to the royal astrologers and they couldn't work out the dream either. So Yosef says, you know what? All interpretation belongs to God. Tell me, let me see if I can help you out. Vaisa so the first guy that tells the dream is the butler. He tells his dream to Yosef. What does he say? By he tells him, in my dream, lefanai, there is a vine, a grape vine, in front of me. Uva gefen sarigim. And on the vine there are three branches, and as it budded, its blossoms bloomed and the clusters ripened into grapes. And I had the cup of paro in my hand. And I take the grapes, and I squeeze them into paro's, camp, uh, paro's cup. And I place the cup, the it, kos al kaf paro. I place the cup into Paro's hand. So immediately we are told by the Midrash that Yosef understands this as an interpretation about the Jewish people and something that will happen in time to come. How does Yosef in his mind interpret it? He immediately understands that the three branches that that the butler saw, represent Abraham, Yitzchak, and Jacob, the three patriarchs, and that their children were destined to be slaves in Egypt, and then they would be freed by God's three messengers. Who are those three messengers? Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam, the brothers and sister, who are very, very central to the story of Pesach, which we will be celebrating at the end of this week, please God. The cup in Paro's head represents the cup of troubles with, with which God would punish Egypt for the suffering it caused, Israel. And interestingly, if you go back and you look at the dream, you will see that cup is mentioned four times. Three times here, where you see, if you look at verse 11, because Paro Beadi, the um, cup of paros in my hand, and I squeeze uh, the grapes and I put it into the cup of paro, the et kos paro, and I give the kos that the cup into Paros hand. Later on, Yosef will as as I'll go through it, you'll see Yosef will say um costs a fourth time where he says that um Venatan kosparo biado. You will give the the, the the cup of paro into his hand. That Yosef saw as a, a, an interpreted that that will parallel, parallel the four great world empires of the ancient world. Those galuyot, the exiles that we will go through, namely Babel, Paras, Yavan, and Edom, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Each of them will eventually drink a bitter cup um, because God will punish them for all the suffering that um, they have caused Bnei Israel. As we all know, Babylon is no longer uh, with Nebuchadnezzar, neither is Persia, that's Achashverosh and Haman, Greece is no longer, and all of them have turned into pulp the early continuing galut, which we still find ourselves in, is the galut of Persia, I mean, sorry, of Edom, um, and that is the, the galut of the Western Christian world, and we are hoping to see an end to that galut, but once we do, we will see the arrival of Mashiach. And so how does he know that? Because just as the buds, the flowers, and the grapes grew almost instantaneously so the redemption from Egypt will take place suddenly and prematurely. And so when Yosef understood all of that, I'm giving you an insight of what happened in his head. When Yosef understood all of that, then he understood that he would be able to also give good news to the butler. So he thought to himself, well, the butler is giving me good news. It means that There will come a point in time where there will be no more uh, no more galut, no more exile. The Jews will be restored to their land. Mashiach will come. I too now will provide him a good interpretation of his dreams. So let's see what it is that he interprets. By Yomer lo Yosef, we're looking at verse twelve of chapter forty. I, this is the interpretation. The three branches that you saw, the three branches of the vine you saw, correspond to three days. In another three days, Paro will lift up your head, the Hashifcha al Kanecha, and he'll restore you to your position. Natata Kosparo, there's the fourth, cost, the fourth uh, cup, and he will give, and you will give the cup of wine. in Paro's hand, Harishon Mashkehu, and you will be restored to your former practice as his butler. So basically, Yosef tells him that in three days' time he will be free. The midrash asks, "Well, how could Yosef have been so presumptuous? Well, how do you know that the the that the, the three vines didn't represent three day, uh, three months, three years? Why did he choose days?" So Yosef knew that Parah's birthday was was a great annual event, and that he would be making a great feast on that day, and that dream that the the butler has was exactly three days before Paro's birthday. So he deduced that Paro would think about them since he would require their services. Another opinion says that this dream happened three days before Rosh Hashanah. And since we know that everything regarding a person is decreed on Rosh Hashanah, Yosef understood that what is predicted had to be decreed on the previous Rosh Hashanah. And therefore, there was only three days in order for that to come true. So he gives the guy a good report. Now Yosef makes a boo-boo. Look at verse 14. But when things go well with you, just remember I was here with you. Please do me a favor. Remind me, mention me to Paro and let him get me out of this house as well. Because I truly have been kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews. And even here I've done nothing. They just threw me into a pit. So Yosef did what an average person would do. He basically said to the butler, well, but I've given you a good interpretation. Please do me a favor. When you get out of here, mention my name to Paro. Get me out of here. Now, the rabbis are controversial as to this, this, that which he said, because, hey, who are we talking about? We're not talking about a guy, simple guy who has no faith in God. Um, and who, who who doesn't have miracles wrought for him. We're talking about Yosef. Okay, Yosef suddenly flipped and he put placed his trust in flesh and blood. And uh, so we're told that when it comes to doing wrong, especially with a tzaddik, with a righteous person, God considers it a sin even if it's a hand's breadth of a sin. Surely, after everything that happened to Yosef, Yosef should have realized that, in fact, God was looking after him all the time. That every single miracle, the fact that he he rose to power in Potiphar's house, the fact that he was having it cushy in the dungeon for however cushy it was, how could he ever, ever have thought now that he has to rely on power to take him out, but rather that he um, depended on a mortal human being? And for that, he gets punished. And I will show you his punishment afterwards. Um, Another opinion goes and says, we cannot even think about Yosef that way. Yosef was a tzaddik. Um, The reason why he said to the butler that um, he needed him, him to remember him to power to get him out was that he could not tolerate any more the visiting of Mrs. Potiphar, who came every day to try and entice him, and he just wanted to get out of the house in order to be rid of her. One other thing, interestingly, is that he uses a double expression, ganavti." I was kidnapped, I was kidnapped. That's how you you, uh, translate it in practicality. Okay, he was repeated twice to tell him the first time he was kidnapped, um, but he he escaped. um, And that basically is telling us that he went from one guy to another guy. And he um, as from the Ishmaelim to the Midianites and then from Paro. He's been he's been kidnapped so many times unfairly. He's been thrown into the dungeon unfairly. He was sent into Egypt unfairly. He's like had like kidnapping as a central theme in his life. And so he puts in the good word, but the majority of opinions hold that um, he was guilty of not trusting in God. This is verse 16 now. The baker sees that Joseph interpreted well, that G. His his, his 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 friend the butler got a good interpretation. by Yosef, and so he says to Yosef now. The baker's talking. Afani, even me, I also had a dream. I had three baskets of bread on my head. Ubatel ha elion mikol ma paro, mas'e and in the uppermost basket there was paro's food. It had all types of delicious uh, baked goods. And birds were eating them from the basket on my head. Now, if you recall, um, each one also dreamt the interpretation of the other's dream. And so the chief baker saw that when Yosef told the butler he will go free, that it was in fact true. So that's why he takes the chance now. Now, now understand the butler knows what's going to happen with the baker. And you're going to see something interesting now. Okay? Um, Before I actually show you something interesting, just to note again that here Yosef sees the three baskets uh, representing the three types of suffering that the Jewish people would endure in Egypt. There would be work with bricks and mortar, the other was working in the field, and the other was the decree that the male infants would be thrown into the Nile. Now look what happens when Yosef interprets the dream of the baker. The verse says, and you can look in verse eighteen, Vayaan Yosef, Vayomer. And Yosef replies and he says, Now again, as I told you, the reason why we read things in Hebrew is is because you cannot see these nuances in English. If you go back to verse 12, where Yosef is giving the interpretation to the butler, he had no qualms. Lo Yosef. Yosef tells him what the interpretation is. Here it's Yosef, answers, and then he says, straight away the rabbis pick up, Why would Yosef answer and then say, whereas when it came to the butler, he just said. So the reply is because this was a negative interpretation. Okay, he knew that he was going to be telling the baker that it was going to end for him. And so he abstained. He held back. He didn't really want to say anything. And the butler was obviously looking at him because the butler knew there was going to be a negative response as well. And so he was reticent to to answer and give him an answer. And it was only after much chiding from the baker that Yosef acquiesced to give a response. What does he say? So he answers and he says, This is the interpretation. As was with the butler, the three baskets also represent three days. But sadly, in three days' time, Paro is going to take off your head. He is going to hang you on a tree. And the birds are going to pick from your flesh. Ooh, how horrid. And so you can understand now how reticent Yosef was in interpreting um, that dream. So, you know, it indicated his, his reticence. and said, I don't really want to tell you because it is going to be a sad ending. Va'yehi, and it was by Yom on the third day, Yom it was the birthday of Paro. He made a feast for all his servants, Va'yisa et Rosh and as Yosef had promised, he lifted up the head, so he reinstated the chief Saramashkim, the chief butler, the et Rosh Sarhaofim Batoch Avadav. Um, and the head of the chief baker was among his servants. But what happened? The chief wine steward went back to his stewardship, he carried on bottling. He gave the cup of paro in paro's hands. And sadly, sadly, the chief baker was hung. Um, And that was the end of him. Now, just to make, to just kind of understand it on a practical level, uh, why did Paro decide to reinstate the butler, not the baker? Because the baker, having a pebble, having a stone in bread is something that you can avoid. There is processes and quality control that should happen in the bakery to ensure that the food is of the finest quality. And so it did smack of gross negligence, and so in Paro's eyes, he deemed it that he needed to be punished. However, a fly flying into a cup is not something that a human being can control fully, and that it is something that could have happened out of just negligence, or it just happened the way it happened, and so he was forgiving of the butler so the main idea over here is that in fact uh joseph's dreams do come true and we are going to go for a bit of a break and afterwards we are going to look at should we be paying attention to dreams FM, 101.9 megahertz of life Right, let's talk a little bit about dreams. And I'd love your input on 34519 895 1019 is our telegram number. Do you believe in dreams? Have you had dreams that have come true? Um, Do you go to sleep at night and get bothered by dreams? What does the Torah say about the interpretation of dreams? Well, I'm going to tell you a story in the Talmud. Um, It talks about a certain professional dream interpreter. His name was Bar-Hadaya. Now, if a person paid this guy well, then he would provide a favorable interpretation for his dreams. And if they didn't pay him well, then the interpretation would be unfavorable. He lived um, during the time in the same city as two great Talmudic sages known as Abaya and Rabbah. We're talking um, around about 280 to 352 in the common era. And Abaya and Rava would use his services in interpreting dreams. So Abaya would pay him a good fee in advance. And whenever he dreamed, okay, he would go to this Bar-Hadaya and Bar-Hadaya would give him a good interpretation, rabba was more of the shnorra there he always sought bar hadaya's services free of charge and therefore rabba always consistently got an unfavorable dream so let me give you an example of it the the talmud goes on and on and on about the various dreams that they dreamt but let's look they basically they were two great sages so what did they dream about at night not about the stock market not about COVID. not about how cold the weather is they dream up verses of Torah. So they both dreamt, they were reading the verse, your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes. It's a verse from Devarim from chapter 28, verse 31. So when Rava, remember he's the shnora, sought the interpretation, um, bar hadaya said to Rava that your ox will be slaughtered before your eyes. The interpretation is that your investments will sour and you will feel so bad you will not have an appetite to eat. When Abiah came and told him that he dreamt that verse, um, Abiah, uh, to bar Hadaya said, your investments will yield so much that you will be too happy to eat. Now, how's that? One verse, two different interpretations. Let's just do one more because I can go on and on and on regaling you in all the different interpretations. They had another verse that, that they read. That was also from Deuteronomy. It's chapter 28, verse 41. You shall have sons and daughters, but you will not keep them, for they will be taken into captivity. This is part of the tohaha, the rebuke. So, Rabbi, um he didn't have anything good to say about Hadaya. He said, it's literally this. You are going to have sons and daughters. You're not going to keep them. They're going into captivity with the exile. But to Abaya, he went and said, your sons and daughters will be sought by important people from afar. And when they marry, they'll be taken far away. From you and so forth and so on um, there's a lot of stories about how uh, Bar HaDaya goes interp- interprets the same dream the same in, in two different ways depending on that now the Talmud also says there's another story in the Talmud that says that there were 24 dream interpreters in Yerushalayim in the time of the second Beit HaMikdash and one time Rav Rabbi Banna Bana had a dream and he went and got he sought an interpretation of the dream from all 24. And guess what, folks, each one of them gave a different interpretation and they all came true. So let us understand now what are dreams. So our rabbis teach us that dreaming is one sixtieth of prophecy that dreams do have an element of prophecy to them. But 99% of the time, okay, they are not prophecy. And they are just a uh, mush-mush of everything that you have been dreaming, um, or no, sorry, not you have been dreaming, you have been experiencing. And we all know that too well. You're worried about this, and then you're worried about your Pesach cooking, and you're worried about... Uh, you know, is your daughter catching the plane? And then suddenly you've got Kanedalach mixed with a a plane ride, mixed with uh, the rainy weather, and (laughs) you just get a Mishka bubble of a... of of, of a dream and it's really your brain defrag like fragmenting you know in the olden days when we used to clean up computers we went through the defragmentation meaning that there were all sorts of pieces of code that had fallen off the bandwagon so to speak and in order to optimize your computer you went through a defrag so The first thing is, is that most of the time dreams are not to be taken seriously. They generally are uh, uh, just a mess of what was going on in our brains and we shouldn't pay too much attention to it. More importantly, and the reason why I told you these two stories, one must be very careful if one shares with the dream, because since dreams follow the mouth, this is a quote from the Torah, one should only tell them to a trusted friend and to somebody who would interpret the dream positively. Because you can see over here, whatever, the, however the dream is interpreted, so it becomes. And so this is why it's so important, and this is why here when Yosef is interpreting The dreams, it says, it was just as Yosef had interpreted. Meaning, the dreams of these these two guys from, from Paros Palace didn't have to come out the way they did. They came true because that is the way Yosef interpreted them. And similarly, if Yosef had not told his brothers his dreams, they would have come true much sooner. Okay, they didn't have to take 22 years. God would have done something um to 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 make it happen so you've got to be very careful more in the interpretation of the dream than the dream itself nevertheless um if one has a dream of a sage if one sees a rabbi a big rabbi come to him Or if one has a consistently bad dream that's really disturbing or somebody departed comes time and time and time again, then one should go to an orthodox rabbi or somebody who is able to understand that and then give you guidance. There is a lot of literature um, in Torah about a person fasting to expiate and to get rid of a bad dream. But generally, If you're going to even have a bad dream or a nightmare and you wake up 99% of the time, it's a defragging process and really don't pay uh, uh, attention to it. And if you are going to open up your mouth, make sure that you get a good interpreter. This is 101.9 High FM. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. We have one more verse, and that is verse 23. The chief butler did not remember Yosef. In fact, he forgot him. And of course, again, as I'm saying, because we're learning it in the Hebrew, isn't that a repetition? If you don't remember something, by definition, you forgot. So why the repetition? Now, firstly, it's remember that Yosef was forgotten as a punishment by God for placing his trust in a mere human, as we um, as we mentioned earlier. Now, just the mitra says something very interesting, that every day the butler would tie knots in his shoes in order to remember Yosef. Um, and he would say in his mind, as soon as I have an audience with the king, I'll speak to him about Joseph." <clears throat> and because God was going to punish him. It says an angel would come down and untie all the knots so that he would, in fact, um, forget about him. Now, Yosef should have remained in jail for 10 years because of another punishment. And that was because he slandered his his 10 brothers. You remember, he spoke badly about his 10 brothers to his father. So one year for each of his 10 brothers. But because he sinned in placing his hope in mere flesh and blood, it was decreed that he spend an additional two years in prison. So basically, Joesim spent 12 years in prison. So let's just make a quick calculation. He was 17 when he was sold. He was 30 before he stands before Paroi. Um, and, he's, and he also spent a year at Potiphar and 12 years in prison in the interim. So 13 plus 17 makes 30. So why is it that we say going back, that he didn't remember him, he forgot him. That's obviously abandon. It's teaching us that this refers to Yosef, in fact, that Yosef had completely forgotten about the butler. Okay. Um, That he, not only did the butler forget about him, Yosef also forgot about the butler. Um, And the two years, by the way, that he was punished was because he said twice to the butler, when things go well, remember that I was here with you. And then he told the butler, if you do, do me a favor and remember me to paro. So he told the guy, remember me twice. And so the Torah goes and says, not only did he not remember him, he forgot him. A double whammy on the two remembrances. Um, and obviously on a much greater cosmic level, um, he was incarcerated because we're waiting for the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine, famine to come in so that Yosef would be positioned 100% in order to help uh, Paroy. And with that, we say, Chazak, Chazak, Benit Chazek. we have finished the Pasha of our yeshep. I hope you have learned as much as I have. And uh, we are going to continue with the next parsha after the, ho- the holiday of Pesach, What's left for me is to wish each and every single one of you a Chag Samech the Kasher, a beautiful, wonderful, inspiring Pesach. And may this Pesach, may we leave the Galut of Edom, the exile of Edom, and may we all meet this year in Yerushalayim before the Seder. Have a wonderful week ahead.